Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Adam White and I'm joined by Eric Devin. Hi, Eric. Hey, Adam. How are you? I am very good, uh, although a little bit depressed, to be honest, this morning after the events of last night between Nice and Marseille, but we'll get to that shortly. Um, and Jeremy Smith is also joining us. Hi, Jez. Hi. How's it going? So we'll run through the results of what match day three now. Wow, it's already picking up the pace in uh, league and before moving on to talk about the, the highlights of the weekend it was another great weekend overall spoiled at the end of course but a, a brilliant weekend I thought on the pitch at least and it started on Friday night with PSG beating Brest 4-2 their second 4-2 win in a row Angel Di Maria with the sealer a brilliant lob in the, the 90th minute to win it for PSG Saturday saw Lons beat Monaco 2-0 both sides had a man sent off and Simon Banza sealed the victory for Lons in Injury time. Leon Sinetien play on Saturday night. They drew one all in a pretty good uh, second half in particular between those two sides. Barak Yilmaz opening the scoring and so do So's header. Very, very well controlled header by the young defender to equalise in the 85th minute. Sunday was a bit of a free-for-all. Leon and Clermont drew three all in a completely mental game uh, at Park OL. Uh, Leon led 3-1. Clermont came back in the last 10 minutes to draw 3 each as Leon capitulated again on Sunday afternoon, following Leon and Clermont, Bordeaux and Angers, Metz and Rennes, Strasbourg and Troyes all drew 1-1. I think I mentioned the amount of 1-1 draws that pop up in Ligue 1 and Ligue 2 uh, on, on a previous part, and there are a fair few on Sunday afternoon. Uh, Montpellier also beat Lorient 3-1, who had two men sent off. Rennes then beat Nantes in the Breton derby 1-0. Martin Terrier with the only goal in that game. And then I think Nice beat Marseille 1-0. At least that's the that's the current situation. Uh, obviously, um, as you may have read on on, on uh, Get French Football News, of course, there was a, uh, or may have seen, hopefully, uh, there was a huge, huge incident at the end of the game involving fans invading the pitch and a brawl with players and, and, and coaches. And we'll start with that absolutely ridiculous state of affairs uh, at uh, at the Alianza Riviera, Eric, um, just explain to us what happened here first. Yeah, I mean, so there, you know, this is it's not a it's sort of a derby. I mean, at Nice, Nice, and Monaco will say that that's the real derby between the two of them. But it, and you know, obviously Marseille have Le Classique as well. But there's certainly no love lost between these two sides. Um, and obviously, this is Nice's. Uh, you know, Nice had not had a match of this magnitude. Um, I, I think there's probably you know. The, the chance to build on the results of the season so far, the fans were, you know, back in the stadium. It's an exciting time for French football. Uh, you know, the signing of Messi, for example. And, and I think that there, there's just a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, people were G'd up. Uh, so uh, 75th minute, um, Nice had been playing well. Uh, we're up one nil through Casper Dolberg. Uh, Tucci Paye gets hit in the head with a water bottle, uh, or bottle of something, throws back into the crowd. Uh, and things just really kick off from there. Um, you know, Donch goes over to try and calm down the fans. Our fans are coming out of the pitch, um, attacking Marseille players. Marseille coaching staff runs over, hits a fan who's apparently still in hospital. Um, yeah, it's a very unseemly situation. Um, you know, what what this uh, security at the Alliance Riviera is doing, I don't know. Um, how so many fans on the pit, got on the pitch so quickly and apparently so easily is is really mind-boggling i mean this is a stadium that was newly built for euro 2016 
uh, one would think that the uh, layout of the stadium uh, would allow security to have a better handle on things than this. Uh, nice, of course, in their old setting in the Stade de Ray, were known for having boisterous, boisterous fans. This is really the first incident involving Nice's fans we've had in, in recent seasons. Um, I know we've had uh, unsavory incidents in Marseille, Lyon, Saint-Étienne, and players that broke the crowd. Um, so following all this, uh, Marseille's players refused to come back out of the pitch, uh, and the match was called off, called off uh, in the 75th minute uh, with Nice leading 1-0. Uh, can't say you can blame Marseille. Uh, they, they posted pictures on social media of um, both Matteo Guendouzi and Juan Perez having uh, marks on their on their on their necks from having been attacked by fans. Georgi uh, Paye had a, showed a, a picture of a, a bruise on his back as well. Um, clearly, the club didn't see didn't feel that they were able to con- conclude the match uh, within while remaining safe. Um, so that they were well within their rights to do that. But yeah, just a really a shocking state of affairs and not the kind of attention that the Liga needs um, following what had, had been a really exciting and season and looks to be uh, every bit as exciting this season. But I think last night was certainly exciting for the wrong reasons and just really disappointing um, from the perspective of Nice to, to allow that to allow that to get as carried away as it did. I mean, throwing objects is one thing, but uh, multiple fans on the pitch uh, really is, is not a good look. No, no, absolutely agree. And, and the, 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 the thing that sort of, you know, really hits me about it is just the stupidity on so many levels, the amount of people that and players and coaches and fans that completely lost their call and and just did the wrong thing in the wrong moment for for over an hour almost. Pyatt, although obviously he has a right to be frustrated about being and upset and rightly so about being hit by a bottle, throwing two bottles back into the crowd was was very, very silly. Sam Pauli's um, constant loss of temper, repeated loss of temper. It's like he'd lose his temper with someone, try and, and sort of start a fight with someone, then calm down for a bit and then get all riled up again. And it happened four or five times. And maybe, although he, I think he's actually right that the game should have been restarted, but was there an element of the fact they're behind? And, you know, if it is cancelled, maybe that sort of plays to you know, Marseille's favour a little bit. And also the Nice fans, what are they, what are they achieving here? You know, the, it's it's unbelievably stupid from from my from my point of view because they they were winning. Dolbo's chested goal. We, Eric did that uh, brilliant uh, rundown of what happened, and 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 didn't even have time to mention what a brilliant goal Casper Dolbo scored with his with his chest, a glancing chest at the near post. But Jez, um, a lot of people are going to get a lot of trouble after this, aren't they? Uh, they certainly should do. <laughs> Um, as, as, as you both said, I mean, there's, there's pretty much no one who comes out of this well. I thought, you know, Galtier was actually surprisingly calm throughout. Um, as Eric said, I thought uh, Donch was, was, was impressive, sort of trying to speak to, trying to calm fans down. Um, but, but generally, everyone pretty much acted badly. And the fact that it sort of spread from the corner of the ground where it all started to then the the, um, the the benches and then the presidential suite just it, it, amazing how quickly it snowballed and there's there's got to be repercussions and in terms just of, of the match I don't the problem is that I think there's a lot of ambiguity in the rules as to what what should have happened last night and therefore what should happen now um, I mean surely I am a little bit skeptical about the reasons for Marseille um, wanting to to have the match stopped or not, or rather refusing to, to come back out again afterwards. But, um, you know, it's entirely the Nice fans' fault for putting them in the position where they, they're able to do that. 
um, there's got to be repercussions for Nice. And, and, you know, it's the frustrating thing is that they've had a really good start to the season. They they probably would have won this match. I thought Marseille looked like they'd run out of ideas. And arguably that that the, the result and the, the last couple of weeks sort of showed Nice probably to be the maybe the closest challengers to PSG this season. And they, they could end up certainly playing a few matches behind closed doors. I think that that's got to be the least that they can expect. But, you know, at worst, this match could re- be replayed. They could lose that. They could lose points. So it, it really sort of hampers their season. And it's just, I, I just don't understand the thinking. I know that they they sort of all, in the Nice sort of official press statement, they've ruled, they've rolled out all this rubbish, you know, calling them pseudo fans. They are fans. Um, they might not actually be part of the 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 ultra group that were there. They might have got in where they shouldn't have done, but you can't just dismiss them as non-fans. And and um, it, it's a real issue, and and not just at Nice, elsewhere as well. But it's just so mindless after eighteen months or so, whatever, of of having to play, but um, of the fans not being able to come in. You now got a chance, you know, to watch your team with twenty nine thousand other people, to watch a, a quality team, you know, compared to the what they were watching before before lock the first lockdown. This is, you know, a completely changed team, a really exciting team and coach, and to to act like that and jeopardize everything is just insane. And then on the Marseille side, again, the, the bottom line is that everything that came afterwards is because of what the Nice fans did. But definitely there's people on the Marseille side that should and could have acted better. You mentioned Sam Pauli, his, um, I think it's the, one of the, um, uh, I can't think of the word, like one of the physical trainers that, um, who, who knocked out a Nice fan. You know, yes, he shouldn't have been on the pitch, but you don't knock him down with the right hook. Um, I think another Marseille security guy apparently threw a couple of punches at, at Cliver and possibly also Tajibo. Um, apparently, the, according to, to Rivera and Fournier of Nice, anyway, um, some, some Marseille people acted very badly in the presidential suite, including towards Rivera's wife. Um, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of speculation, um, you know, even down to Alvaro and Guendouzi. I'm a little bit torn on that one because we know they're hotheads and, you know, if, if there is, if anything's going down, they're going to be involved. But at the same time, you can understand them sort of jumping to, to defend their teammate. So that one I'm, I'm, I'm less sure about, but certainly Nice absolutely should expect to have the book thrown at them. And, and as ever, when the fans misbehave, it's kind of unfair that the, the sort of playing side gets, gets, indirectly punished but that's the way it has to be I think and you have to treat the whole club as one but I think certain people within the Marseille setup should be expecting some kind of punishment possibly it should be it should happen internally to kind of head the LFP off at the pass but yeah there should be punishments and in terms of repercussions I think the LFP have to be very clear going forward you've got to make sure I mean dangerous precedents could be set based on what happened last night in terms of, you know, where the fans think that they can stop matches early if they're, if their team's in the lead and, and other teams looking at whether they can sort of 
you know, find excuses not to finish a match where they're behind. So I think the LFP needs to be very clear going forward what the protocol protocols are when this kind of thing happens you know even down to Bastian I'm not set the referee I'm not saying any of this was his fault but as they did in the Montpellier match a couple of weeks ago he could have maybe sort of halted the match a little bit earlier before it escalated to that point um then afterwards according to Longoria anyway Bastian was was happy to have the match stopped but then the LFP and the Prefet said that the match should carry on so even there there was kind of confusion about who should be making what call so there's so much that needs to be looked at but the overwhelming feeling is just such frustration because as you said this was yet another week of really really good football with more people watching league and with the whole Messi interest um, and so far this season everyone has sort of stepped up to the game um, stepped up to the plate rather and and shown how good Ligue 1 can be and it's just so frustrating that yet again someone involved in Ligue 1 is, is ready to, to shoot themselves in the foot. Yeah it really does feel that way doesn't it it's, it's a real sort of shooting yourself in the foot situation the thing that kind of sticks out to me is that we haven't had fans in, in grounds really for 18 months in fact Nice in particular had were one of the first to uh, have fans removed and and then struggled to get them back when there was a brief sort of hiatus with earlier last season um, so there hasn't been fans in, in many grounds for 18 months, but the situation involving fans seems to have gotten worse, even though they haven't been in grounds for a year and a half. But you had the, the, the Marseille incident last last season where fans stormed the training ground. And it just feels that even, I mean, this is the second incident, we only had three rounds already this this season. So it just feels like the LFB, as you said, you need they need to be pretty exacting here and, and take hold of this situation because it, it it's a it's a huge issue that could really do the league some damage as they look to expand their commercial sort of remit, I suppose, and 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 reach with Lionel Messi joining the league. There's a huge opportunity and this this thing will seriously damage those those prospects. Um, before we move on to the next game, I do actually want to talk about the football because um, this was this was still a great game um, up until that point. As I mentioned, Dolbo's goal. I'm getting quite excited about this Nice, nice team, Eric. Um, it's it feels like um, I, I was chatting. We were chatting before we came on. I, I happen to think that this Nice team, if they sign Andy Delors from Montpellier, which is being discussed today and looks looks very likely. Um, that it's a better squad than Gautier had at the start of last season when he actually went on to win the league. Um, do, and, and each favourites to finish second at the moment, do you think? Oh, hands down. Yeah, I think we've already seen um, Leon are in, we'll get to this, a, bit, a very dysfunctional state. Monaco have seemed to be really struggling to uh, balance European football and and uh, the domestic obligations. I think that um, you know ha- having players like Ben Yedder and Bowen coming back half fit and trying to play two matches a week just really is not sustainable for that team. And um, they look like they need more, more, uh, more options in attack and, and badly. Um, look at the other teams, Marseille are obviously, you know, a team that's struggling at the back. Um, Lille themselves have looked, um, you know, not as solid. And, and obviously you've got Sanchez and Czech still to come back, but um, they look like they're lacking certain options as well. So yeah, hands down. I, I think that, um, you know, Gaultier got the players he wanted this summer. Um, and I'm not really sure about the acquisition of Delore. I don't see how he fits in. You're going to bench one of Guiri or Dolberg. Yeah, does Guiri play to... wide? It's kind of difficult to see where, because they're both going to play, aren't they? But does he move Guiri to the left, maybe? Exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, Guiri had played there at times on the left. He'd also played there. Um, he'd also played, I feel like, behind a two, maybe. Um, 
but again, you know, it's, it's behind the two of uh, Dolberg and Malita last season. Um, but I, I feel like, yeah, I don't really, I think that's a waste of Guiri to play him on the wing. Uh, I mean, you know, Montpellier kind of make it work with, 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 with their four, three, three with Delore, De, uh, Delore Laborde and um, Steffi Mavadidi, none of them are really wingers. Um, but I, I feel like, uh, you know, you're going to be not getting the best out of one of those players. Um, I'm not sure what the, I mean, Delores is a fantastic player, but I don't think he's better than either of Dolberg or Guiri. And I don't, I think his, I think that he's going to be at his best when his style is tailored to him. Uh, and I don't see Nice changing things to, to revolve around Andy Delore. Again, he's good, but he's not, he's not that good. I'm not, I'm not trying to, um, you know, be, be critical of him as a player. I just don't think he's, I don't think he's the centerpiece of a team that can compete for the title or compete to be in the Champions League. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I, I think between the struggles other teams are having and how how potent Nisa looked going forward, um, I think Mario Lamina looks really comfortable. Uh, you know, he's a player who, you know, I've had misgivings about in the past. I, I, I've never been overly impressed with him, um, but I think he's come back from England to an improved player, and he looks he looks really solid. Uh, he and Pablo Rosario are forming a really impressive double pivot there. Uh, it can't be underestimated how important it is to have Donch back. Walter Benitez, great keeper. Yeah, you know, I wrote about this two weeks ago in the column, and it's absolutely the case that I think these these have to be prohibitive favorites even uh, to come second at this point. Yeah, definitely an exciting, exciting outfit, and it would be great to see them progress. Hopefully, they don't. This kind of thing doesn't get in the way again, um, and it may have already set back their potential title challenge. Perhaps if they if they get points removed here, or you know, games playing by closed doors, it could have already you know because they're going to have to get a lot of points if anyone's going to challenge PSG, they're going to get serious amounts of points. So any setback is is pretty can be pretty fatal. Um, let's talk about um, the other end of the scale uh, and uh, the early game on Sunday afternoon. Just uh, Leon and Clermont drew three each. Um, uh, it's quite difficult to pick a favourite game of the season so far. I've only had 30 of them, but I think this is probably my favourite so far. Clermont are so much fun. They move the ball so well uh, and counter-attack brilliantly. They've got pace and they've got technical ability uh, and, and they, they play football. They attack. It's, it's great to see. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll get on to Leon. I'm going to make Eric talk about Leon again, but um, um, we'll, we'll get on to him in a minute. But um, Clermont were brilliant here, weren't they, Jess? They, they really were. I mean, to be fair... Before we get on to Lyon, I, d- I do think on the balance of play overall, Lyon were unlucky in the end not to come away with a win. But uh, Clermont, just for, for everything they showed and the kind of football they played and the fact that they're willing to go to Lyon and you know play the ball out, um, one-touch football right from the, from the goalkeeper, um, sometimes under pressure, sometimes sort of to their own detriment. They, they I think early in the second half, they definitely... One was intercepted sort of right on the edge of the area and really Pakita should have scored and I might have put the, or should have put the game beyond them. Um, the, the fact that they were willing to play that way, you kind of don't begrudge them the draw at all. Um, and as we, as we were saying earlier, that's, that's what's been so good so far about Ligue 1 this year, that um, teams like Clermont, who are, are not going to sort of um, park the bus and just try to eke out a point or three points here and there by by... Um, you know, scraping 1-0 wins or, or keeping it tight at the back. They're really going for it. They're playing great football. And um, it was a pleasure to see. And, and although, um, you know, two of their goals came from set pieces and, and the goal of the match and arguably already the goal of the season came came from Lyon, um, Clermont's played some fantastic football and, and 
Um, whereas I think Lyon maybe with a better team on points, so much of even what Lyon were able to do was because of the spirit in which in which Clermont played the game. And yeah, for me, definitely the, my favourite match of the season so far. Yeah, it was it was great fun, and you're absolutely right. And we we obviously talk a lot about Clermont and and how they how they. Oh, they affected the game. I really like Jason Bartomier. I like he's great from dead ball situations. Even Bio didn't have a great game yesterday, but he's he's definitely going to get goals in this league. And and with Dosu and Alavinia on the flanks, they've got so much direct directness and pace, and, and they can counter pretty pretty quickly. It's it's great fun to watch. Um, but yeah, Leon. I think Leon do deserve some credit too. They were unlucky, as you say. Um, and they scored the best goal of the game in the Lucas Pacatar's goal was, was a combination of one twos with Bruno Gimaraes and then Hossamawa, who Gimaraes gave this return pass with the, with the back heel and then Awas this weighted ball, ball in between the fullback and the centre back for for Pacatar to score. It was great, great goal. Um, but it still feels like that there's a bit of a crisis going on at, at, at Leon Eric and the, the happenings this week with Marcelo's contract supposedly about to be terminated and a whole host of players being put on the transfer list. Um, who do you blame for this, for the, the way that the, the season's going so far? Um, I think it's a, <clears throat> there's several people about to, to whom the finger can be pointed. I think that um, I like the idea of Peter Bosch as a coach. Um, you know, I, I think we saw firsthand if, if, if for Leon, from a Leon perspective in 2016, 17, when he led the team to, he led Ajax to, to that um, Europa League final uh, in beating Leon and, and doing so very handily. Um, I think he's someone who really knows how to create, create an, a, an attack. But I do think that the club's hierarchy in bringing him in probably needed to think this through a little bit more because the defenders in particular at his disposal um, aren't of the requisite quality and aren't of the requisite pace um, that are going to make a difference. I mean, Demi De Silva, yeah, he's a he's a fine league on a center back, but he's 33, he's lacking in pace. Uh, Marcelo, obviously now he's out of the picture, but same situation. Even Jason Denaer, it's a younger, younger player, 26, 27, I think he is. He's not the quickest either. So to want to try to play, you know, a high line um, and to, ha- to lack a bit of cogency at set pieces, as we saw um, at, on a couple occasions yesterday, I think that, I think that it's it's a risk. If you're going to bring in Bosch, you need to be able to support him and be able to restructure the, the playing squad in a way that makes sense. Now, you know, the players that they brought in, I think there are certainly some intriguing ones. I think Emerson, you know, yeah, okay, he hasn't had the, the biggest career at Chelsea, but is he he is he is an orthodox left back, an upgrade over Maxwell Cornet? Um, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, and I I, I like the, the promises of some of the young players they have coming through, like Samalo Gusto, for example. Um, yeah, so there's there's some good, there's some positives to be taken from the way Leon are constructing themselves, but the pieces just aren't there yet. Obviously, Paqueta having played it at the um, Copa America and and Bruno having played at the um, the Olympics, you know that's that's a situation as well. But you've got in Musa Dembele a point of attack who can get you goals. Um, you know, I, I think it's. Um, it's a kind of situation that has a lot of potential, but I think there's still a bit of wait and see. Now the club have just announced, you know, the Clarice were recorded. They've signed certain Shakiri. Uh, to, to what end, right? I, I think didn't this team learn last year that relying on an individual to to do things for you, and that is Shakiri's style. Um, last year as Memphis Depay, Shakiri will, one assumes, take on that role, not playing as a striker, but playing a sort of a free role in midfield. 
um, that seems like a potentially challenging situation as well. We saw that Bosch wants to play, you know, a team game. Does Shakiri necessarily fit that mold? Um, so I think it's it's you know one hand not knowing what the other is doing, and that we you know we've seen this really throughout the tenure of Janino, and I, I think it's you know obviously his charisma and his magnetism have done a have played a big role in getting certain players over the line in terms of his being a um, sporting director. But I also think that there seems to be a dissonance between what he expects out of his, out of whoever's on the bench and the tools that he puts at their disposal vis-a-vis the playing staff. So, you know, we thought we had that with him when he, he uh, had signed Slovenia and that was a disaster. Um, so I think the question just remains, like, what's the story here? Um, and this has been the case with, with Bosch's team in, in preseason too. I mean, conceding five to Benfica or whatever it was, Porto, you know, Wolfsburg, they, they've really struggled in the back. And I, I don't necessarily know that that's going to change. I mean, yes, in facing a team like Clermont um, in facing a, a team like Brest, you are playing teams that like to play on the front foot, but, you know, conceding three goals against Angers last weekend, this is, this is more of the same. I mean, that's seven goals conceded in three matches now in the league. Um, and they've got Nantes at the weekend. I mean, if they don't beat Nantes, I mean, that's, you know, that's again, mm. four teams that you would have expected on paper at the beginning of the season for Leon, not to Leon to have had a relatively easy go with. And now you're, you're looking at the possibility of them going the international break with, well, at most five points, but perhaps as few as two. Uh, it's really, you know, you would have expected them to get nine, 10 points out of that first, um, this first run of matches. And now that's, that's far from the case. And it's, it's a really frustrating start to the season for, for the club's fans. Mm, absolutely. And uh, I think the, the, that sort of stretches past Leon a little bit in terms of the, the whole league. It seems to be a frustrating opening for 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 the, the the sort of traditional big size if of last season's top four only PSG have got a win and they're the only team to win any games in the league so so far with Monaco and and Leon and uh and Lille all not winning what's what's going on there Jez is it just a competitive league or or the the top side sort of dropped off in quality do you think I think it's probably a bit of both I think as, as we said you do have to give credit to to the likes of Claremont who are kind of prepared to go toe-to-toe and not sort of, um, you know, come into the match defeated already. But the the supposed other big teams have just been not, just not been good enough yet. I think Monaco have been particularly disappointing considering that they're, they've been relatively settled from, from what they did the second half of last season. They haven't really got rid of anyone. They've strengthened their team. I know they've got the distraction of, of Europe, but that, that isn't exactly going well at the moment either. Um, so I, I think still the, the main problem there is that their attack is not clinical enough, but the defence looked awful at the weekend. I mean, maybe it's just, you know, just happens with, with individual errors, but they, they just look shaky all the, all the way through the other day. Um, Lil, I think we expected a bit of drop-off, obviously, from the sort of anticlimax of winning the league and Gautier going and a lot of unknowns in terms of what's going on off the pitch, but also who's still going to be there in, in sort of 10 days time. Um, and Lyon, I mean, Eric pretty much covered everything there. They're, 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 they're the French arsenal at the moment, aren't they? Sort of dropped off from the, the glory years of a while ago and they just really seem in, 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 in no man's land, just kind of readjusting to, to, 
not being the powerhouse that they feel they should be and, and seem to be making wrong decisions every time they've got a sort of choice to make one way or the other. They always seem to be going the wrong way. So, um, you know, I, I expect at the end of the season that most of these clubs will, will have sort of got their act together, at least to an extent, but not that they are probably going to challenge PSG anyway, but to give them a sort of, you know, in a couple of cases, seven, eight point head start after only three matches when PSG, you know, still aren't even at full strength anyway, um, is, is crazy. And, and we all have to put up with all these jives about Farmers League and things like that. And we know PSG are almost certainly going to run away with it. But um, I do expect the other top teams to, to put up a better showing than they have done so far. And I think it's, it's yeah, there's two ways looking at it. You could say, well, it just shows how that there is strength in depth because the other teams aren't finding it easy against them, you know, all the, all the other clubs that are, that are in the league. But you still want a little bit more of, you want the other t the other supposedly top teams to be showing a lot more than, than they are so far. And as we said at the start, sort of thank goodness for Nice. Um, and also, to be fair, I mean, I think Marseille have been, I think their performances maybe have, have deserved more than the, the the points they've got so far. And um, I, they are playing some really entertaining football um, and some, you know, some decent boxing off the pitch as well. Um, so sort of credit to them, but certainly Lille, Lyon and Monaco have been, for various reasons, extremely disappointing. Yeah, you do kind of need, we always see the second PSG, well, we, you know, every league would say that, but... Um, but you need someone to go with PSG just to keep them almost keep them honest for a, for a few months at least. Um, but yeah, I absolutely agree. It does feel like there's sort of a number of factors, but none of those sides have. It's almost like, especially with Monaco, not really focusing on the league is a, is a little bit disappointing, but understandable. But maybe maybe that is the the tiny difference, you know, in the margins. PSG could easily have drawn all three of their matches, but um, you know somehow someone has come up with something and they've and they've managed three wins. Maybe that's just that extra bit of quality that the others mm. don't have. Yeah, it does feel like that. Those, those, those are three difficult games in theory, at least on, with the way that they, they played out. And maybe last season they wouldn't have won all three, but this season they've managed to, to get over the line in each of those. Um, we'll talk about PSG just to round off the pod in the last uh, couple of minutes of this week's show, Eric. 4-2 um, against Brest, but slightly dodgy defensive display again from PSG. Yeah, and again, this is, this is a, I think, situations continue to boggle them. I mean, you know... Again, this is they've not faced a murderer's row of, of, of opposition in mean, Brest, Troyes, um, and Strasbourg. I mean, these are not teams that are that are a Marseille, that are a Montpellier, um, that are a Nice, that have the, the tools to hurt them. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Marquinhos is just coming back and we know what a top class defender he is. Maybe had a decent season last year. Ramos will be in the mix as well. But um, aside from Marquinhos, you know. Ramos is 35, 36. Kimpembe's got a mistake in him. Um, again, yeah, the, the firepower thing, it's not a problem in the league. But I, I wonder if this continues to be the case for PSG um, to concede, you know, multiple goals, not multiple goals, but goals every week. Um, you know, what's, what's the upshot of this? Um, you know, they're going to win the title, yes. But uh, is this going to be enough of a proving ground for them to be defensively solid, uh, you know, come the Champions League where we know that, Okay, yeah, away goals have gone away, so maybe the the way that teams attack knockout ties are will be different this season. But it's still very, very worrying that this team can't be a little bit more defensively sound. Um, you know, again, I, I know 
that's not necessarily Pochettino's overall ethos, but um, yeah, it really asks a lot of questions, especially, you know, especially given the way they're seemingly trying to restructure the squad. Yeah, it would be an interesting, interesting dilemma for Pochettino when they head into the Champions League. Um, I, I feel like Pochettino is actually a bit of an asset to Ligue 1 at the moment because I agree with you that this defensively and and sort of compared to Thomas Tuchel's teams anyway, um, there's a lack of intensity in in especially in midfield and uh, and 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 in, perhaps in central areas for PSG. Um, and uh, Pochettino is a little bit un un unused or not particularly used to breaking down teams that sit in deep and defend against sort of uh, against teams like PSG and, and finding a way to break those teams down is not necessarily a strong suit of his, which is good for the league because it means PSG in theory, Lionel Messi may change all that because he's Lionel Messi. But in theory that as last season they they do lose a little bit more a little bit more often in, in those tighter games against teams that are well organized and, and, and are capable of hitting on the counter attack. Uh, whereas in in Europe, you know, they they did were brilliant against, against Barcelona and and very good against Man, against um, Bayern Munich as well and won both those ties because Pochino is good at setting up a counter attacking team that against a, a, a sort of a, a comparable force. And although Manchester City outplayed PSG in the semi final, there are there are signs that that PSG can can sort of engineer victories against teams of comparable strength. So in theory, I think Pochettino's sort of managerial skill set is a is a bit of an asset to league at the moment. Although throw Lionel Messi in there, and you know, it, it, does it really matter who the manager is in in league to some extent? Um, we're going to finish the pod uh, there. It's been great chatting to you both uh, over the show. We'll be back next week uh, towards the end of the transfer window, and we'll have a quick look back at the the market uh, as it played out there's only a week to go so do keep your eyes on gffn on twitter and get football news france for all the latest transfer news as the window ticks down uh, towards the its close uh, next week i've been adam white massive thanks to eric and to jez have a great week we'll see you next monday and enjoy the football <laughs>